Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The Qalam Podcast has become an important part of people's lives all around the world. There are millions of people benefiting from the podcast every single day. Thousands of hours of content, dozens of different series from all the different teachers and scholars here at Qalam. All of this is delivered to the community free of charge. We are excited and actively working to grow and increase our efforts to deliver more and more benefit to the community. We ask you to support our efforts and become part of the Qalam family. Please go to qalamfamily.com and sign up to contribute to this Sadaqa Jariya on a monthly basis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us Jazakumullahu khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim as-salatu wassalam ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu Alhamdulillah tonight we come to the conclusion of our study of surah yusuf uh, alhamdulillah, we have, you know, been at this journey now for, you know, over two and a half, three months at this point. And alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us to, and this is a truly a blessing that, you know, Allah has allowed us to see through uh, an entire surah of his in the Quran, right? Surah, surah number 12. Um, this is no small feat, right? Uh, there were companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I was reflecting on this earlier, actually. There were companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam who were alive during the revelation of a certain surah, but didn't actually see the end of that revelation. They passed away before the finishing of that surah. Um, so the fact that you know, alhamdulillah, that we're sitting here, and most of us, alhamdulillah, you know, if not all of us, were here in the beginning, and now, alhamdulillah, all of us are here at the end. Um, this is something that is something that should never ever be taken for granted that we were able to see a surah fully through. Uh, this is not something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given everybody. So it's something important to reflect upon. So alhamdulillah, we are inshallah going to begin uh, with ayah number uh, 100. Okay, ayah number 100. Um, and we begin with ayah number 100 And inshallah the end of the surah is ayah number 111 Okay So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He mentions now towards the tail end of the story of Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam was said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says وَرَفَعَ أَبَوَيْهِ عَلَى الْعَرْشِ وَخَرُّ لَهُ سُجَّدًا that they were finally, Yusuf salam was reunited with his parents, Abuwayhi, not just Abuhu wa, but also Ummuhu, right? His, his mother and his father. So the narration strongly suggests that both his mother and father were alive during these latter stages of the surah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, And they both bowed to him in prostration. Okay, so this is a, another sign here that proves that at this time, at this uh, stage in time of history, that prostration out of respect was something that was actually still very customary even in people who uh, believed in Tawheed, 
right? Um, and one of the you know proofs that this was eradicated during the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was that at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The Jafar ibn Abi Talib, right, the cousin of the Prophet ﷺ, when they were sent to this place called Habasha or Abyssinia, there was a king who lived there by the name of Ashama, and he was called a Najashi. He was like the Christian priest or the Christian monk at that time. And everybody in the court, when they entered, they would bow down to this man out of respect and honor, right? But Jafar ibn Abi Talib and the other Muslims who came to the Abyssinians at that time did not bow down. And so the Najashi was taken aback, says, why are you not doing what is customary among the people? And Ja'far ibn Abi Talib, he says, with all due respect, the only one I bow down to is Allah, the one God, right? So um, we know from this that the tradition of the, the, the ummah of the Prophet ﷺ is even the ummah of the Prophet ﷺ, uh, generally, we do not bow down out of you know, respect to anybody. Right. Um, there are other forms of showing respect. Um, and even when this ayah came down, right, there was actually a very interesting narration of Mu'adh ibn Jabal. It says that when Mu'adh ibn Jabal visited the Sham area, Bilad al-Sham, which means like Palestine, Syria, the entire Levant area, he found them prostrating before their priests. Okay. He saw them prostrating in front of their, their priests, their, their, their pastors. Okay. So when he returned to Medina al-Munawwara, he came back to Medina. Mu'adh ibn Jabal was so kind of like touched by this form of respect that was shown by the, 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 the people of the Shami area, okay? That he, out of his like charisma and zealousness or zeal, he actually prostrated before the Prophet wasallam. And the Prophet wasallam, by the way, did not uh, teach in a very uh, abrupt manner. Like the Prophet, there are very few narrations in the life of the Prophet where you see the Prophet getting very, very bothered by someone. Okay, like he was a very calm and collected person. There's only one time, a few times in my own memory uh, as a student, where I can think of where the Prophet was visibly, visibly angry. Okay, and one of them actually was when uh, someone lied about something that they knew the truth about. Right. So the Prophet was actually very, very understanding of mistakes. Okay. Which is something that we really need to kind of re- reflect on and rewire in our own minds as Muslims that live in today's day and age about how we treat people that commit mistakes. Right. Uh, there's one attitude that we take towards people who knowingly, knowingly, uh, sin, outwardly sin. Right. But there's another entire, you know, attitude towards people who are very uh, common and, 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 and honest in their mistake making. So when Mu'adh ibn Jabal prostrated towards the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he says, ma hadha ya Mu'adh? He goes, ya Mu'adh, what is this? What are you doing? And Mu'adh ibn Jabal, he says, ya Rasulullah, I saw that people in Bilad al-Sham, they would prostrate before their priests. However, you, ya Rasulullah, are more deserving to be prostrated before. And the Prophet ﷺ says, Ya Mu'adh, do not do this. Okay? He says, Ya Mu'adh, do not do this. This is not befitting of a Muslim. Uh, and there was another narration, by the way, uh, where the Prophet ﷺ says, if there's anyone, if there's anyone who would be befitting to bow down out of respect, out of respect towards, not, not, not obedience, by the way, out of respect, he says, uh, it would have been uh, a person like a, like, a, like, like a spouse bowing down to their spouse out of respect. Okay, not not like out of obedience or out of worship. Okay, but he says even that is not you know common and in, 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 in is not part of our Sharia. Okay, so at this point he says obviously that the the, the two parents you know Abu Wahi, the mother and father of Yusuf alayhi salam they bowed down out of respect for him. Okay, 
And Waqala and he says to his parents as they are prostrating to him out of respect, Waqala Ya Abati Hada Tawilu Ruya Min Kabl. Okay? So he says, Oh my father, this is the explanation of my vision, Min Kabl. Remember so long ago I told you about that dream I had, right? Ya Abati inni ra'itu ahada ashara kokaban wa shamsa wal kamara ra'ituhum li sajidin. Think about so many years later, he brings up to his father, Dad, this is the dream I had, like 50 years ago. This is it right here. This is the manifestation and the reality of the dream that I had so long ago. You see, prophets, they, they think on a different level. You see, they think on a different level. And this is why, you know, if you speak to any scholar, they will say that prophethood, right? This prophethood that these prophets have been given, you know, whether you talk about the Ulul Azam, right? The five greatest prophets, meaning Nuh, Musa, Ibrahim, Isa, the Prophet All the other prophets, Dawood, Harun, Sulaiman, all these other prophets, it's almost like a prophetic fraternity, right? They can see each other from like a mile away. I mean, think about it. The, the, the thing that connects them is the divine decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So imagine that times being father and son, right? And times, like, think about like Musa and Harun, right? Think about Dawood and Sulaiman, right? Families that were prophets, Ibrahim and, Is- and, and, and Ishaq, okay? The prophets that were related to one another, not only are they connected spiritually with this Nubuwa, but they're also linked familially because of their blood. Okay, so he says to his father, this is the interpretation or the explanation of my dream that I had min And he says, my Lord has made it a reality. Allah has caused my vision to become true. Allah has caused what I saw back when I was a kid to become true. Okay, and this is by the way, you know, a small lesson that we can take as regular people, right? Uh, as Ammi people, or called Ammi people, just regular human beings. This lesson that the scholars they share with us is that even something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells you will happen to you, it may not happen to you right away. It could take years, it could take months, it could take decades for it to become into fruition, right? We think as Muslims that, you know, I make dua and my dua should be answered right away. How many people's duas are answered upon their deathbed? How many people's du'as are answered, you know, when they make the du'a when they're young people, their du'a becomes answered when they're fully grown adults. This is a common, you know, uh, common happening in our, in, our, in our deen. It's not like we make du'a and the next day our du'a becomes a reality. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused the ta'wil, the dreams of his anbiya to be waited for about 40, 50 years to become true, think about what, what we deserve, what we are owed. Right? Compared to them, nothing. So this happened so many years later that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala قَدْ جَعَلَهَا رَبِّي حَقًّا وَقَدْ أَحْسَنَ بِي إِذْ أَخْرَجَنِي مِنَ السِّجْنِ وَجَاءَ بِكُمْ مِنَ الْبَدُوِي مِنْ بَعْدِ أَنْ نَزَغَ الشَّيْطَانُ Okay? Uh, he says, بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَ إِخْوَتِي He says that, and he was certainly good to me when he took me out of prison and brought you here from Bedouin life after shaitan had induced uh, troubles and quarreling between myself and my brothers. 
So now after he explains to his father about how Allah had made his dream come true, he reflects over how Allah has been good to him. He goes, Allah has taken care of me. And on top of, and we've talked about this before, on top of the gratitude that Yusuf showed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's trying to reassure his father how he's okay. Even more than just like the shukr towards Allah. Because before he talks about how Allah has always been good to him, now he's telling this straight to his dad. Because one of the common understandings is that his father, what attitude did his father have about his son for 40 years? What was the feeling he had towards him? Sadness, worry, grief, anxiety, right? Troubled mind, sadness, depression. And so he's telling his dad now, Abba, Abu, Abbi, Allah has made it a reality and He was good to me all these years that you were not here. Allah had taken care of me. I want you to know all those years you were worried about me, I was fine. Even during the difficult times, even when I was thrown into prison. Look at it, look at us now. You're here in front of me. And shaitan tried his hardest. Shaitan tried his best. He took his best shot at us. He tried to put quarrel and problems between me and my brothers. He did his absolute best to break this family apart. And look how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came through for us. Okay? He says, Inna Rabbi. He says, indeed, Allah is Latif. Latif. Anyone know what the word Latif means in Arabic? Latif. Anyone want to take a guess? Anyone have a translation? A good translation? What do we have on our phones? What's that? The one who gives pleasure. Okay, good. Anyone else want to give a shot at Latif? Kind, very good, very good. Latif actually has a very interesting uh, meaning along with those. Kind, Allah, Allah's pleasure, He takes blood. It means something, there's something added on top of it. When, when, when He mentions, Inna Rabbi Latifun, Allah is kind and He is gracious, but He's also very subtle in the way that He does it at times. Right? Because human beings, sometimes we're creatures of apparent, the apparent, okay? So if something good happens to us, we're like, oh, Allah is kind. But if something bad happens to us, we say, oh, Allah is not kind. Oh, if something is easy for us, Allah is giving us ease. If Allah is giving us hardship, oh, Allah is punishing me. But Allah reminds us here, inna rabbi latifun. He's latif, he's loving, he's caring, but sometimes that love and that care is subtle. It's not always dahir as we say. It's, or sorry, it's, not, it's, not, it's not always hadir. Hadir means like present right here. Sometimes it's a little subtle. It's latif. And think about this. Look at, and as parents, parents are sitting here thinking about it right now. How many times have parents disciplined their kids and the kids are like, man, you hate me. <laughs> you hate me. You're just punishing me because you hate me. One time I remember, astaghfirullah, I said this to my mom. I'm like, man, you just don't like me, right? And I remember I would never ever say that ever again. By the way, this is when I was like, you know, jahili kid. I was like 11 years old or 12 or something like that. I, my mother, she disciplined me and she like was pretty strict on it. And I remember I told her, I said, mom, I was, I was like, Ammu, you're just, you, you, you just don't like me, right? You know, hyper emotional 11 year olds think that they can conquer the world, right? I know everything. 
So I told my mom that. I said, Mommy, you just don't like me anymore. And I remember later that night, my father came to me. My father was like, you need to go speak to your mother. I said, what? Why? And he goes, she's been in her room crying for the past hour. She's been in her room crying for the past hour. I said, what? And I go into my mother's room and I still, wallahi, I have this memory vivid in my mind. I went into her room and she was laying in the bed and she was weeping. And I remember like the feeling that was like the best I can describe it was like just this absolute deep gutted feeling in my stomach. Like I felt like someone had just like reached inside of me and just pulled all my like, like all my emotions out. When I saw her crying and I went and I just hugged her like while she was laying down, <laughs> I just like just hugged her. I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that, you know, to even suggest something like, oh, my, my, my mother doesn't like me. Your mother, your father disciplines you because their worst nightmare is you going through any pain. You know, I mean, why do parents slap the hands of their kids when they're trying to touch the hot stove? Right. Don't touch it. And sometimes a little slap comes and the child will say, oh, you hurt me. You're mean to me. You just hit me. But the parents know that if I hadn't done that, this kid's hand would have been burned severely. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the same way. Latifun. He's subtle sometimes in the way that he loves us. Sometimes his love for us manifests in the rejection of a job. Right? We want this job so bad. And it's so interesting. It's so interesting. We're all, we're all like children. When it comes to like, when it comes to like creation, we're all like children, not directly, but like the, 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 the relationship, like we're, we're all very kiddish when it comes to like our understanding between us and Allah. We're like little kids, even the elders, we're like little children. We're like, oh man, like I wish I'd have this. I wish I could have that. That thing's good for me. But then Allah teaches you and subhanAllah, all of this will become very apparent in the hereafter. All of this will become very apparently hereafter. Things that you thought were good for you, you will see in the hereafter that, subhanAllah, how Allah saved me from such a horrible end. How Allah saved me from such a terrible, you know, uh, terrible, terrible ending in my life. Allah saved me from it. But in this dunya, all we can think about is, oh, why? Why did Allah take away this opportunity? In the hereafter, we'll see why Allah took away that, 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 that opportunity for us. Okay, so he says, Rabbi Latifun Lima Yashau Hakim. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the all knowing and the all wise. So then Allah continues, he says, Rabbi Qad Ataytani min mulki wa allamtani min ta'wil al ahadith. He says, uh, Yusuf continues to say, He says, My Lord, you have given me something of sovereignty. Okay, and taught me the interpretation of dreams. Okay, that the min mulki, mulki, the mulk that that Allah gave Yusuf was obviously the position He had given him now in this part of his life. Wa'alamtani, and you have taught me min ta'wil al ahadith, and you taught me the interpretation of dreams. Wa'fatiru samawati wal ard, anta waliyin fi dunya wal akhirati. تَوَفَّنِي مُسْلِمًا وَأَحِقْنِي بِالصَّالِحِينَ And then he says, فَاتِرُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ The creator of the heavens and the earth, you are my protector. He calls Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he calls him wali. Wali, you are our protector. 
in this world, fid dunya wal akhirah. You're our only protector in this dunya and in the akhirah. And he says, Tawaffani Musliman. He says, Cause me to die as a Muslim. Cause me to die as a Muslim. Tawaffani Musliman. Okay. Wa alhiqni bisalihin. And join me with the righteous people. And this is, by the way, the same dua or the same exact message as, you know, when we recite uh, in, in another portion of the, in, in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're said to say, uh, ya, um, ya ayyuhad, uh, ya ayyuhad, um, ya sorry, I'm, 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 uh, the, the Arabic is blanking in my mind. I'll remember it, inshallah, and I'll, and I'll share it again. But the, the, the message here is very clear. That one of the du'as of a Muslim should be to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to die upon the faith of Islam. Upon the religion of Islam. And this is why we make the famous du'a, رَبَّنَا لَا تُزِقْ قُلُوبَنَا بَعْدَ إِذْ هَدَيْتَنَا وَهَبْ لَنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ رَحْمَةِ إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْوَهَابِ We say, O oh Allah, allow our hearts not to deviate. بَعْدَ إِذْ هَدَيْتَنَا After you have guided us. You've tasted the fruits of this beautiful deen. Never allow us to stray away from it. Cause me to die upon this deen. Cause me to die upon this deen. And this is a very famous hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in the 40 hadith of Nawawi, where the Prophet ﷺ says that somebody could be a person of paradise. And literally between them and the doors of paradise, illa dira'un, is an arm span. That's it. That's all that's there between them and paradise. But their final deeds that they commit are the deeds of a person of hellfire. And they are admitted into, into hellfire. And this is why, you know, we say, and there's a couple of very beautiful reflections from this hadith, is that number one, we should never assume one or the other for ourselves. That, oh, I'm guaranteed paradise. I'm guaranteed paradise. And we should never assume the other either. Oh, I'm such a bad person. I'm guaranteed hellfire. And this is why, this is why our deeds, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions over and over and over again in the Quran. He says that your deeds, Your deeds are weighed, not counted. Because not all deeds are the same. Not, not one deed is the same. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make our final moments in this dunya moments that reflect our deen. Ameen. Okay? And he says, And allow me to be joined with the righteous. Uh, and this is something that should be a dua for all of us. That we should be asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to be in the company of the righteous in the hereafter. I mean, what better company is there? Imagine, you know, uh, walking into your home in paradise and you walk right outside the front door and you turn to your right and you see Prophet Sulaiman alayhi salam, your neighbor down the street, right? You look left and you wonder who's your neighbor on to my left and you see Prophet Harun down to your left. Can I borrow some sugar? There's no borrowing in Jannah, inshallah. Everyone has their own, right? But imagine, I mean, being in the company of these people, right? We can't even imagine something like this. Anyone complain about bad neighbors before? <laughs> My neighbor is like this and my neighbor is like that. Imagine having neighbors that are the quality of the anbiya, the prophets of God. All right. So now in verse number 102, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
he now ties this back to the Prophet ﷺ. The way that he began the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will end the surah with the same exact notion. And this is why, by the way, the Qur'an is very symmetric. There's a lot of scholars, there are a lot of ulama who study Qur'anic uh, you know, compilation. They study Qur'anic, uh, 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 you know, uh, the, the, the compiling and the making up of the Qur'an in terms of the, 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 the way that it was formed and the way that it was put together. And they look at the surahs and they say, subhanAllah, the surahs are so symmetric. It's like looking, it's like looking at a, 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 an object and, there are two, and there's like a mirror splitting it in half. It's like what, each, each side completes the other. Okay, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins this surah by saying, Alif lam ra tilka ayatul kitab il mubin inna anzalnahu qur'anan arabiyan la'alakum ta'qilun nahnu naqusu alayka ahsan al qasas. He continues on and on and on about the beauty of the surah itself and talking about why the Prophet received it. And then for the middle 100 ayat of the surah, Allah talks about the story of Yusuf, the story of Joseph. And now at verse 102, Allah brings us back full circle to why he revealed the surah. So Allah says in verse number 102, he says that is from the news that of the unseen. Okay, this is from the news of the unseen. He says, which we reveal to you, O Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This entire story is from the unseen. You never saw it. This is completely new to you, Ya Rasulullah. You didn't know about this without me educating you about it. Okay? وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ إِذْ أَجْمَعُوا أَمْرَهُمْ وَهُمْ يَمْكُرُونَ Allah says, and you are not with them when they put together their plan while they conspired. So Allah, after revealing the surah to the Prophet ﷺ, He says, Ya Rasulullah, you weren't there when they did all this stuff. You weren't there when the brothers of Yusuf threw him down a well. You weren't there when the women of the city conspired against Yusuf. You were not there when these two prisoners came to the prison and asked Yusuf to interpret their dreams. You weren't there when he was freed. You weren't there when uh, the entire ordeal with Benjamin went down. You weren't there for any of this. This is all, all from Al-Ghayb, from the unseen, Ya Rasulullah. Which tells you, a part of the training of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Because we all think right now that Oh SubhanAllah You know we didn't see the Prophet Sallallahu We didn't see the Quran being revealed We didn't see the angels like the Prophet Sallallahu saw them But you know there was an element of ghayb with the Prophet Sallallahu as well You think the Prophet Sallallahu saw everything? Think about all the contents of the Quran Did the Prophet see any of them? No He didn't see all of them He didn't see Nuh Alayhi Salam he didn't see Salih alayhi salam. He didn't see Musa alayhi salam. He didn't see Isa alayhi salam. A part of the faith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was cultivated by the belief in the unseen just like us. Yes, Allah introduced the Prophet to some miracles. But hasn't Allah also handed us a miracle in the Quran itself? So think how subhanAllah, we are all connected to the Prophet sallallahu in, in, in very, very interesting ways. In very interesting ways. Okay? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَمَا أَكْثَرُ النَّاسِ وَلَوْ حَرَسْتَ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ And most of the people, although you may want them to, 
Most of them will not believe. Why? Because they will say, it's ghayb. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Right? And even after the Prophet ﷺ, he told them, the, the, the people that came, the Jews of Medina, they, they, they came, or the, the disbelievers of Mecca, they came and asked him about the story of Ya'qub and Yusuf. And the Prophet ﷺ tells them the entire story from start to finish. They will say, ah, you're just a, you're, you're, you're a magician. And this is the reality, by the way. I want everyone to take note of this. This is a reality. That you may think to yourself, well, I have done every part of my job to give someone da'wah about this religion. I have done everything. From start to finish, I've told them what I know, I've quoted my resources, I've given them the clear and plain truth, but for some reason, they still don't believe me. They still don't believe in Islam. They still don't understand that Islam is a true religion. Well, Allah will teach you in a part of the Quran where he says, إِنَّكَ لَا أَحْبَبْتَ that you will not always be able to guide the people that you love. Rather, Allah is the one who guides people who He wills. Because there will be moments in this dunya where you can literally tell everyone everything. But they still won't believe. Even during the time of the Prophet ﷺ, having him as the Prophet of Allah in their presence, some people didn't believe. They died upon kufr. So if in the Prophet's life there are people who didn't believe in Allah, the greatest da'i to ever exist, the greatest inviter to this religion that ever existed, and they didn't believe him, then who are you and me? Who are you and I? To say, oh you know I had a co-worker. I gave him a copy of the Qur'an, this guy still doesn't believe. <laughs> you know, it, it, it brings us back to earth a little bit. The Allah mentions that you are not the one who guides people's hearts. You're a mere facilitator of the message, that's it. I'm the one at the end of the day that guides people. I'm the one who allows people to accept this deen, not you. Okay? And then in verse number one, 105, Allah continues and He says, وَكَأَيِّنْ مِنْ آيَاتٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ يَمُرُّونَ عَلَيْهَا وَهُمْ عَنْهَا مُعْرِضُونَ He says, and there are many signs in the heavens and the earth, من السماوات والأرض, that they pass by and give no heed to. وَهُمْ عَنْهَا مُعْرِضُونَ And this is a lesson, by the way, for Muslims. This is a lesson for Muslims. That there will be signs upon the earth that Allah will give us. But these people, وَهُمْ عَنْهَا مُعْرِضُونَ مُعْرِضُونَ عَارِضْ عَارِضْ means to turn away from something. To basically ignore it. That Allah says that you will have signs in front of you that give you the sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala existing. But مُعْرِضُونَ You will just turn away from it. It's right there sitting in front of you. How many of us, wallahi, how many of us have been amazed by mere creation? Right? We look at the sky and we say, subhanAllah, how beautiful. We look at the sunrise and the sunset, we say, subhanAllah, how amazing. We look at pictures of space. We look at the grass is so green. The rain, alhamdulillah, is so nourishing. But people don't think that this is, you know, fadli min al-rabbi. This is the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? 
And sometimes we even forget that what is around us is blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our children, our parents, our community, our masjid. If you just look around you, this is enough proof for Allah. That's it. You don't need anything more. You don't need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to drop a visual miracle for you. Just look around you. This is enough for you. Have you not been allowed to breathe and see and hear? This is enough. That's it. Okay? But the majority of people, ma'ridun, are people who turn away. And sometimes because of our own arrogance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turns away His signs from us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَعْرِدْ عَنْ آيَاتِيَ الَّذِينَ يَتَكَبَّرُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ بِغَيْرِ الْحَقِّ He says that, I will turn away people, or I will turn away my signs, people who walk upon the earth, or who are upon the earth, يَتَكَبَّرُونَ they're arrogant. They're arrogant. They're just arrogant. They walk around this earth and they say, well, this is mine and this is mine and this is just by chance and this is by, 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 by coincidence that this has happened. I mean, people who believe that this earth began as a mere chance, as a mere coincidence, it's an irony in, in, in a belief system. People who say that nothing came from nothing. <laughs> Ever heard of that argument before? The Big Bang Theory, right? It all started with a Big Bang. Nothing came from nothing. We don't believe that as Muslims. It's arrogance to believe that. It's arrogance to believe that all of these things just came out of nowhere at one time. Rather, as Muslims, we believe that each thing was dependent upon something, as dependent upon something, as dependent upon something. And the one that is dependent, that is dependent upon at the end of the day is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for everything. Okay? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says in verse number 106, And most of them believe not in Allah except while they associate others with Him. That they associate others with Him. So Allah is saying that the vast majority of people will not believe. And this, by the way, is a reality. And I, and I want everyone to be very aware of this. And I, and I think it's foolish to actually ignore this reality. To ignore that we live in a culture, in a time, when majority of people will actually not believe in anything. It is foolish to think otherwise, to be quite honest with you, unfortunately. That we live in a time where people just don't believe anymore. There, there is no belief system, right? I can guarantee you, I, I'm very, really, you know, for, you know just... Hard honesty right now. If you go outside right now and you go to the majority of people in Dallas, Texas and you do a poll of let's say like a hundred people and you ask them, do you believe in God? I can guarantee you the majority of people will nowadays say no. And one of the realities is that we are truly, truly, and this is something that's uncomfortable for people to talk about, but we are very, very, very close to uh, Yom Al-Qiyamah if you think about it. That the Prophet ﷺ, he says that there are these signs that will come upon the earth during this time period. And this will be a, a testament to the end of times. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said 1400 years ago that the lips of Israfil, the angel of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who will be blowing the trumpet twice. One for the ending of this dunya as we know it and one for the resurrection of all of creation. He says that the lips of Israfil are like this. It's on the horn. It's on the trumpet. He's just waiting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give him the sign, the signal. That's it. And if this was 1400 years ago, you think about how much closer we are now. We're definitely not going back. We're going forward. 
right? And Allah says that if they, and if they don't outwardly disbelieve, what they will do is that they will associate partners with him. They will associate partners with him. They will associate him with, you know, this and that and this and that and all these different things. Okay. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 107, He says, are they so sure that an overwhelming punishment from Allah will not fall upon them? Or that the last hour, that the final hour will not come upon them suddenly? When they're not aware. They're so confident that this last day will never come. That the day of judgment will never come. That they believe that after we die, we'll just be buried and that's it. It's all over after that. Are they so confident? And subhanAllah, you know, one of our teachers says something so amazing. He says, I've never seen so many people so confident about something that they have no, no idea about. That people are so confident that nothing will happen to them. Even though they have no substance behind their belief system. Right? And sometimes, and check this, this is very important to kind of think about. Sometimes people disbelieve because the opposite of that makes them very uncomfortable. Does that make sense? That some people disbelieve in a hereafter because the even mere thought of a judgment day scares them to death. And this is why Muslims, by the way, we should not be afraid of death. We should not be afraid of dying. Because at the end of the day, a Muslim believes that when I pass away, I'm going towards my Lord now. I'm not afraid of this. I'm not dreading this. I might be nervous. I might be nervous because, you know, I I, want to make sure I'm prepared, I'm ready. But I'm not scared of dying. But look at the way that disbelievers died in the past. Look at how Fir'aun died. Look at how Fir'aun passed away. Look at how all these tyrants passed away. They passed away in fear upon time of death. Why? Why did upon the death, did they all of a sudden have just severe fear? Because they knew what they were vouching against their entire life. Now it has come to a reality. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, are they so sure that there will not be uh, a day of judgment coming for them? In verse number 108, Allah subhanahu subhanahu says, He says, Say that this is my way. Say this is my way. I invite. I invite to Allah with clear evidence, with clear insight. And I, those who follow me, and exalted is Allah. And then he says, And I don't associate myself with people who are disbelievers. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He gives us a very beautiful piece of advice right here in verse number 108. He says, at this point, say, say, this is my religion. This is my religion. Be, be proud of it. 
Be, be very, very proud of your deen. Say, This is the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guided me to. And this is why, by the way, Allah, the, the Prophet ﷺ, he says, for those of you who want to be protected from shirk, you should actually recite, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ This is a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. If you want to be protected from shirk, from associating partners with Allah, recite, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ لَا أَعْبُدُوا مَا تَعْبُدُونَ وَلَا أَنْتُمْ عَابِدُونَ مَا عَابُدُ وَلَا أَنَا عَابِدُونَ وَلَا أَنْتُمْ عَابِدُونَ مَا عَابُدُ لَكُمْ دِينُكُمْ وَالْيَدِينَ there has to be a fine line between Iman and Kufr. It's not like we're saying we're going around and calling people kafir and calling people mu'min. No, no, no. That's not, that's not what Allah is saying. What Allah is saying is let it be known that a mu'min is different than a kafir. You know, for some, and this is a dangerous kind of pathway we're heading to in, in, in dunya today. Where people are now saying, oh, we're all the same. We're all the same. Everyone's the same. We're all, we're, we're all creations of Allah. Absolutely we are. Absolutely we are. But are you sitting here and telling me that a person like the Prophet ﷺ who died upon this deen, who spent his life doing things that pleased Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the same as a person who died upon kufr? Like I, I, I think today, unfortunately, we are a part of this generation who are very confident and comfortable in just saying very egregious things that sound very good. <laughs> like, oh, we're all the same. You know, when we go to interfaith programs, what's the comment? Oh, we're all the same. I don't know last time you guys accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but we are not all the same. We're not. You know, when I was, a, I, I joke around about this. When I was a younger person, when I was like a younger, you know, youth director and like a younger imam, I used to always go to these, you know, interfaith programs and speak at these interfaith programs. And I would always use very neutral words. Like, oh, you know, God told us in our book. <laughs> Nowadays, I found for the past two, three years, I'm like, yeah, Allah said in the Quran. Why? Because we believe in this. There's no shame in it. I think a problem with our, with our ummah nowadays is, because, is that we feel very, very incompetent. We feel very incompetent. To the point where, and, 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 and the adults here who see our youth going around and being susceptible to the society around them, ask them why. Ask them why. Because we've created this culture where everyone's all about assimilating. Oh, we have to assimilate. We have to assimilate. We have to be like the people around us. No, of course, culturally do whatever. This is what we call in fiqh, we call it urf. Right? We call it urf. We, 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 we call it a, you know, the, 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 the taking of good customs from the place that you live in. No one's telling you to go to Kroger and ask for like, to, to ask for like, you know, like khubus, what, 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 you know, like don't, don't ask for like bread from overseas. No one's telling you to go to Target and be like, yeah, where's your ajwa section? <laughs> no one's telling you to go to like, you know, the gas station and be like, yeah, I see Dasani and Aquafina. Where's your Zamzam, brother? No, no, no. No one's telling you to do that. But what people are telling you is when it comes to your deen, don't compromise on it. Don't compromise on it. Never say that we're all the same. No, there's a stark difference between us and people who, do, who don't believe in Allah. But that isn't, but, but the point is, that isn't a means of holier than thou. That's just a means of differentiating. That's it. And that's it. This is a tradition that the Prophet did. No disrespect to Jews or Christians or other people. No, no, no. No disrespect whatsoever. But we're different. And that's totally fine. Okay? And then verse number 109, we'll inshallah finish in the next two ayat. 
Allah says, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ إِلَّا رِجَالًا نُوحِيَ إِلَيْهِمْ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْقُرَىٰ Allah says, and we sent not before you except men to whom we revealed from among the people of the cities. He's talking about the Anbiya. He's saying, have we not sent you know, uh, messengers and prophets to every single nation, to people of Qura, to their cities? Okay. And then he says, أَفَلَمْ يَسِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ فَيَنْظُرُوا كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ it says, so have they not traveled through the earth and observed how was the end of the people that came before them? And now Allah is saying, if you don't, if you don't believe me for the, 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 the wahi that we've given our messengers, have you not learned from the people that came before you? Have you not learned from the people of Salih and the people of Nuh and the people of Hud? Right? Have you not learned from the people of Idris? All these great people that came before you and they, their people were destroyed. Have you not taken account of their, their times and their situations? Have you not taken account of that? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, uh, He says, وَلَدَارُ الْآخِرَةِ خَيْرٌ لِلَّذِينَ اتَّقَى أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ And He says, And the home of the hereafter is best for you, is better for you, for those who fear Allah. Then will you not أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Will you not reason? So he says, learn from the people that came before you. This is, a, this is a lesson for all of us as Muslims, is that we learn from the mistakes of the past. We learn from the mistakes of the past. We look at what had happened before us. And this is why, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this, and this is very important. You know that, you know that common statement in the, in the Quran that says, uh, we've, we, we've seen this in several different parts of the Quran. That the hereafter or what comes next is way better than what has come before. This, by the way, has two meanings. The first meaning is, obviously, as we kind of just straight translate it, is that the akhirah is better than this dunya. It's better than the, than the first. But what it also means, linguistically, is that what will come after this moment will be better than what had come in the past. Meaning that every person should learn from their past to better their future. What will come later should be better than what came before. Meaning that one of the signs of a believer is that they learn from their mistakes. They learn from those who came before them. They learn from the mistakes of the people who had come before in the past. They don't just do what everyone else always did. Just because they did this before doesn't mean it's right. Because what did, the, what did the mushrikeen of Mecca used to say? This was the way of my, my forefathers. My dad worshipped idols. My grandfather worshipped idols. My great-grandfather worshipped idols. That's not, that's not always the case. That's not always the best route. Rather, what's the best route is? Finding deen. Finding deen. Don't just say, oh, this is what the people of the past did, so I'll do it, I'll repeat it. Learn from the people of the past. Okay, and then Allah says, "Hatta ida astay asa arrusulu wa zannu anna hum qad kudibu jahum nasruna fa nujia man nashau wala yuraddu baasuna anil qawmin mujrimin." Allah says, "When the messengers lost all hope and realized that they had been dismissed as liars, our help came." 
Allah's help came. We saved whoever we please, but our punishment will not be turned away from the people who are al-mujrimin, the criminals, the people who are guilty. Now here's a really interesting thing. Allah mentions them. This is, by the way, a very historical point here to make in the Quran. Is that Allah says that until hatta ida stay asar rusulu wa dhannu annahum qad kudibu ja'ahum. He says, until our messengers basically became so despaired, did our help finally come and relieve them of their despair. Meaning that when each messenger was completely tested to their brink, did Allah's help come to them. Okay? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested each messenger differently. How long did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala test Nuh alayhi salam for? More than 900 years he tested him for. Right? Generations after generation after generation, Allah tested this man. So Allah says, until the messengers completely said, I despair, there is no chance for these people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that my help came to them. Right? And subhanAllah, think about it, you know, and, and, and this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was always there for his messengers when time came. Okay? And then finally, in verse 111, the final ayah of this surah, Allah says, لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصِهِمْ عِبْرَةٌ لِأُولِ الْأَلْبَابِ مَا كَانَ حَدِيثًا يُفْتَرَى وَلَكِنْ تَصْدِقَ الَّذِي بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ وَتَفْصِيلَ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَهُوَ Sorry, وَهُدًا وَرَحْمَةً Allah says at the very last ayah He says There is a lesson in the stories of such people For those who understand The people who understand This revelation is no fabrication It is a confirmation of truth Of what was sent before it An explanation of everything A guide and a blessing for those For the people who believe and this is the final ayah of Surah Yusuf, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ties this entire surah by saying that قصص, this surah is a story of such people who understand. That this Quran is not a Quran for people who do not want to use their brain. This Quran is a Quran for people who understand what Allah has given them, but at the same time know when to stop themselves from saying, I know everything. And this Qur'an will always be a testament. It will always be a proof that will withstand the test of time towards the truth and away from fabrication and will be an explanation for everything. And it will be a guide and a blessing. Hudan wa rahmatan yu'minun. A guidance and a mercy for anyone who wants to believe. Okay? And this is the final ayah. Of our chapter of Surah Yusuf I end inshallah this beautiful surah With just a couple of advices Before we make our dua Number one Is that any of us who began this class Without knowing much about the surah We generally knew about the surah of Yusuf right? I know that this surah was about Prophet Yusuf About his family, about his father About the you know, trials and tests that he went through. But you came to this session or these sessions and you expanded the horizons of the Quran, your understanding of the Quran. This, and by the way, and I'm going to, and I'm not trying to say this as like a, hum, a, a form of false humility, 
But imagine we were able to expand our knowledge about the Qur'an with just a person like me. Imagine sitting with people like the scholars of the past and learning. If we felt this, 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 this you know, refinement right here in South Lake, Texas, over the past three months, imagine what the actual limits can honestly, the, the, the limits can actually be. One thing that I learned from these past three months is that we went over the surah for just three months. Scholars have written volumes about Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. That is what the potential is. Like a tr- like an alim from classical times, it would take you. It would take all of us years to learn Surah Yusuf. <laughs> we did like a mukhtasar. Like an abridged version of it. But even then, people probably sat here and said, SubhanAllah, I didn't know that. So think about the potential of what reading and understanding Qur'an really is. Okay? And the last thing I'll mention is, even though we went through this, none of this has any meaning unless it makes us better people. None of this matters unless we walk out of this musalla as better people. Because at the end of the day, if this surah, if the learning of the surah did not make us better, unfortunately, the surah will be a proof against us on the day of judgment and not a proof for us. Because the Quran will talk and will say, Ya Allah, this person started from, from 1 to 111, read this entire surah, but didn't become better at all. They just stayed exactly the same. One of the, the, the responsibilities of the Qur'an, of learning Qur'an, is that it should refine the heart of a believer. We should not be the same person that we were when we walked in three months ago. We should be a little bit different. And so we'll end, inshaAllah, with a, conclude, a conclusion dua. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of the people who allowed the Qur'an to be a form of sustenance and life for us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow the Qur'an to be a form of rahmah for us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow the, the Qur'an to be a form of guidance for us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow the Qur'an to be a witness for us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow our tongues to be frequent in its recitation. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that with each letter and word that we recite, that we become better people. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to never allow the Qur'an to become foreign to us. Ya Allah, we ask you that you never allow the Qur'an to be untouched in our homes. Ya Allah, we ask you to never allow the Qur'an to flee from our hearts. Ya Allah, we, we ask you sincerely to allow the Qur'an to be something that is a constant in our lives. Ya Allah, we ask you to allow us to learn from the example of your beloved Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam. Ya Allah, we ask you to allow us to learn from your beautiful Prophet Yaqub alayhi salam. Ya Allah, we ask you that no matter what tests and trials that you put us through, we know that at the end of those tests and trials, there's always a blessing at the end of it. Ya Allah, we understand that sometimes we despair and sometimes we may lose hope. But Ya Allah, we, we ask you to never allow us to ultimately lose hope in you. Ya Allah, we ask you to allow us to, con- to continue for us to believe in you and for us to die upon the faith of Islam. Ya Allah, we ask you that no matter how many times our hearts turn, we ask our, you that our final turn to be towards your deen. 
Ya Allah, we ask you to allow us to go cl- grow closer in the footsteps of your Messenger wasallam. Ya Allah, we know that you have not tested us like you've tested your beloved prophets. But Ya Allah, we are weak and we need you, Ya Allah. So please relieve of, of the test that you've given us. Ya Allah, we ask you that whatever tests and trials that you've given us, we allow you to get through them with shining colors and shining scores. Ya Allah, we ask you that no matter how many times you test us, we never lose hope in you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask that no matter what has happened to us in our lives, that we stay connected to you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask you to accept from us. Ya Allah, we ask you to forgive us. Ya Allah, we ask you to continue to shower your mercy upon us. Ya Allah, we are people who are sinful. Ya Allah, we are people who are forgetful. Ya Allah, we are people who are flawed. Ya Allah, please have mercy over our honest mistakes and our sincere mistakes. Ya Allah, accept from us from the past three, four months we have sat here reflecting over your Quran. Ya Allah, we ask that if there's anything good that we have done in this dunya, please record the past three months of learning, reciting, and reflecting over your Quran and weigh them heavily on our scale of good deeds. Ya Allah, we ask you to accept from us every letter that was recited. Ya Allah, we ask you to forgive us for every mistake that was made. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik wa nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu alayk.